The following podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and the possible destruction of society as we know it. I never needed anyone. Nashville today, among the latest U.S. state capitals to face the anger of a growing number of Americans demanding the U.S. be reopened, bolstered perhaps by the continuing trickle of positive news on some front. Just to show you where we've come from, last week in particular, the cases in Australia and stubbornly sitting at this sort of mid-40s, high-30s all week, not really seeing any movement up or down until today, where what we've seen is a pretty dramatic drop in cases in several states, just one in Victoria, six in New South Wales, and for the first time since March the 9th, zero new cases in Queensland. The beast is still out there. We can control the beast, yes, but the beast is still alive. We did not kill the beast. Education Secretary Gavin Williamson has declined to give a date for reopening schools in England, denying reports that the government hoped to send children back to class within a few weeks. Even in the face of those who argue it's unsafe to rush into a reopening, demonstrators countered their own liberty is at stake. The latest official figures for the UK show that there were 596 deaths reported in hospitals in the last 24-hour period. That takes the overall number who've died in hospitals to 16,060. The Grattan Institute has crunched the numbers on the jobs affected by physical distancing rules and found as many as 26% of Australian workers lost their job. That leads to an unemployment rate of somewhere between 10 and 15%, which would be certainly the worst recession that we've had since the 1990s and probably since the 1930s. The government drive to get everyone with a smartphone to download a coronavirus tracking app has hit a speed bump. Some of its own MPs won't sign up, with Barnaby Joyce saying the government already knows enough about our lives. And to settle down a bit, but 2,000 deaths in the US were reported overnight, so still high numbers there. Highlighting the growing desperation, lineups of cars yet again for food handouts this weekend in Texas. Food many can no longer afford to actually buy. Soon Australians will be asked to download a smartphone app to store the numbers of others you meet and sound the alarm if any contact tests positive. It's voluntary. Uh, the data stays on your phone and it's only used to enhance what we're already doing. To work it needs 40% of the population on board. And Labor says Australians need a lot more information about how the system will work. They need to know about the transparency, the privacy and the accountability. They want to get out. They want to get out and get back with their lives.
Hello and welcome to the ISOcast, an advice show for the isolation era. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen. Look, folks, I gotta say, I am pretty damn lucky. I'm actually feeling pretty okay. I mean, sure, COVID has come in like a wrecking ball. It never hit so hard in ER rooms. All it did was break our walls. All it ever did was wreck our shit. But by and large, I'm pretty all right. My government payments are coming through. I'm still in conversation with my real estate agent about a rent reduction. And I've nosedived into how to fix a drug scandal on Netflix. That is not just personally fixing drug scandals. I don't have any drug scandals to fix yet. But just as I'm starting to feel okay, the Aussie government has come out with a new app to track our movements. And I really can't tell if this is one of those George Orwell 1984 moments or more of like an Armageddon brave leaders taking unprecedented steps to save us all sort of moment. What I do know is the footage coming out of the States of the lockdown protests is some of the dumbest things I've ever seen. You might as well pump up 500 helium balloons, attach them to the curve, up style. I just hope they get a cute dog that can talk. That is literally the only possible good that can come out of it. In the midst of all this uncertainty, I decided to give my buddy Cal a call. Cal and I went to primary school and high school together. We're in our school's production of A Clockwork Orange in our final year, and he's a legend. He's brilliant. He's a former journalist turned lawyer with a penchant for literature, footy, cats, and costume parties. And I don't get to talk to him nearly enough. So I decided to indulge myself and hopefully you all with a really interesting chat I had with him. Here it is from a little earlier. G'day, my man. G'day, Cal. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm about the same as everyone else right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> Very consistent experience. Really, just just leaning into your consistency, big guy. Just trying to keep it really the same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I just made the most delicious. Um, Mexican uh, beef stir fry quinoa filled curry thing. Oh, man, you gotta pick a you've gotta pick a food genre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I kind of said all of them then, didn't I? Really? Too too many too many in there. For listen, my taste. listen. It was just a Mexican laxa, is what it was. Okay, and, a uh, Mexican laxa. Yeah, that well known <laughs> common <Yeah>. food. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, what's going- I, I approve. That sounds delicious. Thanks, Kelsey. This is why I had you on the show, man. I knew you'd support my weird choices. I knew that you'd come in and into bat for That's, me, so to speak. This, this, this being on the show is me supporting your weird choices. <laughs> <laughs> that is also accurate. Um, yeah. <laughs> mate, you been going all right down in Melbourne, though? Is everything sort of okay down there? How would you describe it? Yeah, I think everything's okay down here. Um, I feel like it's getting. I feel like it's getting to a less weird than it was over the past few weeks. You know, mm. still very weird, but if anything, settling into the rhythm of weird is yeah. maybe the best way to describe it. The trams. I'm sort of benchmarking my assessment of how things are going by how many people are on a tram when it goes past because right, the trams right, right. are still running and there was a period where there was like never anyone on any of the trams it was totally ghost town deserted and they would go past and leave you with this weird like abandoned city feeling mm. um 
like walking through an abandoned theme park. But now, you know, maybe there's like eight people on a tram. Hey, man, that's progression. That's big progression. All sitting two metres apart and looking very fearful at each other. But nonetheless, there's still eight people there, Cal. Yeah, that's right. You know, seven of them are reporting each other for being outside. <laughs> but the, the, it's, it's progress. It's progress. There's one thing I've learned, um, especially from Muriel's Wedding, the musical, is you can't stop progress, Cal. I say true when they say why. I say you can't stop progress. I'm a believer in progress. That's absolutely right. Uh, I think we all took that lesson away from Muriel's Wedding, the musical. <laughs> I certainly took no other lessons away from it. I took nothing about friendship or cancer. It was mainly about progress. It was where I was at. That's right. Carl, stop it. (laughs) Pal, um, I might get you to give me a hand with my first segment of the show, which is uh, Existential Dread. And okay. To do that. Oh, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that. Great, 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 great. <laughs> I can give you a hand with that. Uh, so, in order to do that, um, we're just going to have to sing the theme tune. And so, my part goes existential dread. And so, if you could sing something like maybe higher, maybe lower, I don't know. Give me a little something, something to to make it make it pop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. So a bit of uh, a bit of existential dread. Yeah, that would be great, Cal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for that. You're at ready. Okay, we'll, we'll go for that. Yeah, we'll go on three. Um, one, two, three. Existential dread. How's your existential dread, Cal? Scale of one to ten. Uh, it's higher, higher than uh, higher than the before times. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, at the moment, at this exact moment, it's it's running on a seven out of ten. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like I haven't I haven't remembered the pending mortality or the horror of everything we've lost in the last twenty four hours. But I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it will come. Uh, it will come later tonight. It'll come in the, in the late evening, Cal. Maybe sort yeah. of one two a.m. It'll creep back in there. That. That overarching, it's the mortality thing, really, isn't it? I think that's, that's, that's right. a big part of it. Um, in the early evening, you sort of the, the Orion star constellation is still quite high in the sky, uh-huh. very comforting. As soon as it drops below the horizon, that's that's when I've been marking the start of what I call the dread hours. Uh, they're they're full of they're full of the good stuff. You know, what am I doing? Why are we here? Why? What is anyone doing? Oh man, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I'm pleased to hear that you're at a seven at the moment, though, Cal. That's great. I'm sorry it pumps up to so early. Is there any way we can get in touch with Orion and tell him to pull his belt up? Yeah, could we? Could we just tighten that belt? Tighten the belt, Orion. Tighten the belt, Orion. Time to stay in the sky and make me feel a little better for a few hours longer. Do me a favor, (laughs) Orion, and just just pull it together. Put get the old scissors out and put an extra bloody hole in that belt and see if you can't keep it up there, pal. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's right. I I am quite a skinny man, as you know. Very. And I have I've never managed to find a belt that uh, accurately fits my waist size uh and i have also never bought a leather punch and so every belt i own has a scissors a scissors punch stab or a ballpoint pen stab to it wow like very inefficient uh way to approach belt purchasing but that's that's a fact about me that i'm happy to share cal i love the um i love the ballpoint pen surely that takes a significant amount of time and effort to to get that through a belt yeah a little bit i mean unless you just really force it 
jam it through. I mean, you may have it's, a tiny waist, Cal, but huge arms, just gigantic, yeah, right. powerful arms. They're powerful getting, arms. Yeah. That's how the people talk about you. Um, mate, what's been what's been putting you to a seven, Cal? What's been sort of bringing you down? What's been pushing you up on that, that sort of number scale there, mate? I definitely think that I, I vacillate between uh, short-term and long-term, um, you know, either unhappiness or being happy. But where I really am failing is in the medium-term kind mm. of dread levels. So, like, I, you know, for example... I think day to day things are pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Still have my job. Everyone seems to be going well. There's, you know, my friend is making podcasts. Hey. Life is day to day, hour to hour, uh, very manageable and very pleasant. Mm. And then in the very long term, I can kind of mollify myself. I'm like, I'm an adaptive person. I'm resilient. Over the course of many years, maybe I can learn to love living like this. Maybe this is how the world is now. Maybe it's a better world than it was before. And I start to think in like deep social trends. Like, what good things will change? What bad things will change? What will the political impact of this be? But where, what gives me the, the bad existential dread is definitely the kind of three to six month um, outlook window mm. where I'm just like, man, things are, things are deeply uncertain for a deeply uncertain amount of time. And I don't know whether to make, you know, plans. For example, today I was supposed to be flying back from Perth. Right, yeah. Because uh, I had a, you know, I had a trip booked over there to see the family, and uh, so it popped up in my my calendar today. It's like you need to go to the airport in Perth Airport at one thirty-five, and I was like, <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. As a matter of fact, <laughs> guess Jokes what, Google? On you, Google Calendar. <laughs> You're not my real dad, Google. Not anymore. Yeah. What? You think you know everything about everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Yeah. So uh, after. I, you know, mocked my calendar for 35 minutes. Um, you know, I was like, oh, well, I should um, I should figure out when I should get that flight credit and uh, book another flight back to Perth. Hmm. And obviously that's, like, impossible to do. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's just deeply, deeply unsettling from a, like, uh, oh, I kind of wanted to see my grandma this weekend. Now I won't. Oh, well, that's no problem. I guess I'll do it in a few months. Wait, will I? Like, yeah. That kind of uh, that kind of level of dread is where I'm sitting at at the moment. Yeah, dude, I totally hear that. I had, I had flights booked back to Perth for next week, as a matter of fact, for my mum's 60th. Hello, mum. Hello. What a legend. And and yeah, uh, it was going to be disco themed. Cal, she was going to do a full like um, uh, Studio Fifty Four thing in Perth. Um, I think she yeah. was going to have like bloody waitresses on roller skates skating around. It was and waiters, I imagine too. Uh, Amazing! So, what, what a time! Amazing! Right? The bell bottoms that I am imagining on the pants of your family. Yeah. Are just extensive. Huge, Be- huge bell huge. bottoms. You know, Huge. I'd like you to think like uh, 15th century ladies' dresses, but like two of them. You know the ones that had to have ribbing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the, yeah, hoops, yeah. the whole hoops, yeah. <laughs> the whole hoops. I mean, hoops. hooped bell bottoms is a thing that never came into fashion, and I will never understand why. Um, that is clearly a great idea. Yeah. 
Has anyone in Perth thought of making and marketing bell tower bottoms? Oh. Because if they haven't, I am going to get on that after this call. Far out, Cal. That's going to be where the money is. Really specific market. Um, for those of you who don't live in Perth, that it has well, arguably the ugliest bell tower anybody's ever seen. My grandpa yeah. described it as the Sydney Opera House reversing into the Eiffel Tower, and I think he's pretty much on the money. Yeah, the, the, the premier at the time, uh, his first name was Richard, and it was fondly known for a long time as Dickie's Erection. Um, <laughs> for the non for the non Perth uh, listeners. I love that. I love that. I think that's yeah. powerful. Um, so backing back to my mum's 60th, I was flying back to Perth for that, and I've since um, put it back to a flight in September in because in, I have a wedding to go to in September. Very in good. Perth. Uh, I actually have supposed to go to three weddings this year in WA. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, I'm supposed to be in the bride, the groom's party for that. Uh, Do I need to bother doing anything? Is that wedding going to happen? Like, what's going to be the deal there? You know? Uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've had two cancelled weddings already and, uh, you know, both of them rebooked for November, um, one of which... Uh, I was the best man for, but it is very much a kind of like a hey, what are we, what are we doing about that then? Like, there's no real certainty that that they will go ahead at any particular time. But yeah, that's the that's the world. It's wild, man. It's you're kind of sitting here being like, I, I like one school of thought that I keep reading is that until we have a vaccine. There is no chance. Like, we're just going to have to stay in socially distance or allow ourselves to be completely surveilled by the government for all of our movements. And as soon yeah, as we don't, don't seem like good options. Neither, neither of those sound like good options. They don't sound like good options, right? I mean, uh, the government's just announced that it wants to do a an app and if not enough people sign up for it, they're going to make it mandatory. It's currently voluntary. Um, Cal, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, no... <laughs> Noted uh, government, uh, noted app developer, the Australian government. Oh, uh, the digital security. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny because uh, in you know in my life I'm a privacy lawyer. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And so I, uh, I, you know, I have a, a strong, fairly strong opinions on things like that. But um, I'm I vacillate as well on this point because there are really two issues about the the privacy app that come to my mind. One is like a technical issue like is the app actually going to work what kind of percentage of people need to download it for it to be effective what kind of impact will it have on the battery life of your phone you know like how how does it work what does the source code say is that source code the most privacy protective that it could be you know all of the kind of app questions there's a technical um a factual way to look at that and then there's the other question which is just like the people social question like hey do we who's getting that app who's getting that data like do we like the government do we like the health department like is the health department the government would it matter if it went to one but not the other like can i specifically say everyone in the government but not peter dutton You know, there's a kind of social fabric scope of consent. And and along with that, the thing that I'm really worried about is, you know, is, is that going to lead to a kind of division amongst people who really believe, hey, it's your national duty, everyone should get the app. If you don't get the app, you're a traitor and, a, you know, a spreader of disease uh, versus people who are like, no, wait, what? No, I just don't want the government to be involved in every aspect of my life. Like, I, I think that that is... Uh, equally 
you know, potentially equally valid perspectives. And a question mm -hmm. that I keep asking myself at this time is like, obviously, we're learning very physically, very quickly, um, just how much control the government can have in the name of public health. Yes. And, you know, at one, one end of the spectrum, there's like you are forced to stay at all times in one chair and not move and never leave that chair ever, which would have an immediate amazing effect on public health and then kill everyone because you couldn't eat or get food. <laughs> and then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you have like people who are just obviously, obviously... Uh, angry in general and you got the wisconsin protests about you know oh, don't man. lock down my my liberty and it's just nuts right like it's the neither end of the that is good and so we're all in the middle ground we're all in the gray area and we're all finding that the government is making intrusions or making requests of us that they weren't making before and that there is some justification for them doing that. And I don't know, every, every question is kind of like a little exploration of like, hey, is the justification for them doing that worth what I'm trading off here? If it is like, is it worth the trading off that forever? Like, if not, mm. why? Like, why, why is it okay now and not another time? not forever like yeah it's a little a little trade-off we're making with the government a little deal we're making as a society because we think there is a better purpose or a higher reason for doing it yeah and that's the thing i keep thinking about too man is if that let's say we we all go okay the app is necessary right if we're to return to some form of normality this is going to be the only way we can manage it so we're going to wait for all the cases to drop down and then we're going to all have the app and away we go uh, does that mean the government gets to forever and from here till the end of time monitor the movements of every single one of their citizens like is yeah. that what that means is that what that means or is it and is it just for this pandemic and this disease or have we decided that like public health is a good reason for the government to monitor citizens via their mobile phones which is a thing that you might validly consider and if that's the case then you know there are all sorts of other bits of health data and tracking that the government can collect from that mobile phones in what initially seems to be a really privacy protective and anonymous way like which suburbs are exercising the most you know like mm. where should we target our exercise campaigns like you know if we're going to maximize public health education spending on cardiovascular health you know where, where should we do that well let's just like take the like beats per minute heart count of everyone's Apple Watch in like, <laughs> this area. And why don't we just see? We'll just see what the best thing is. And I think from a tech perspective and from a government perspective, from a policy perspective, there's a whole lot of things that sound really sensible and that don't sound really like that bad or that harmful from a privacy perspective, but are still weirdly on the nose, like still like, wait, are we, mm. did we just agree to all do that now? Uh, and I, I don't know how to put my finger on it other than to say that I think that's what privacy is about. Like people not being able to put their finger on that intrusion and, yeah. and wanting to claim that space around them as saying, hey, I thought I had this space around me and I don't seem to have it anymore. Like, let's, let's discuss that. Yeah, man, I don't know how to navigate it either. Um, I can f it feels in my waters like the government saying you have to install this app doesn't feel good. 
Like that doesn't <laughs> feel good in my good. waters. In my waters no. inside me, on the insides, no. is bad. It's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. It's coming from some people who, if they'd said that, you know, two months ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really don't want this government to install any apps like by force on my phone. As you <laughs> January, said, like if Peter twenty twenty perspective, if Peter Dutton could tell where I was, like on my way to my like latte sipping in a West Sydney, uh, ridiculously left uh, world like and you know yeah. I would not want Border Force, he would know he? exactly as much as he now already knows about you listening to this podcast hi yeah. Peter thanks for listening <laughs> hey Pete <laughs> long time listener first time caller great uh, to have him on the, yeah, I'm sure I can get great him great to have him you should get him on the show I'll get him on the show <laughs> get him on the show there's no one I would rather hear from <laughs> then Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, sorry, existential dread just went up a level to eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too. Um, uh, pal, I think. Yeah, yeah. go on. I was going to say that I, I don't want to, I don't want to overplay the whole slippery slope argument too much. Yeah. Because um, I think it's easy to get in that headspace of being like, oh, you know, if we let them install this app, then then they can just track us forever and do anything, and then it's it's too easy an argument to get you know, caught up in the slippery slope thing. Um, but I, I do think there are some laws in the past, like recent memory, that were introduced in crisis times, particularly after September 11, which have stuck around and have had really long-lasting and have started to, like, creep into all aspects of society. So I would not be surprised, and I don't know whether it will be, like, this app install or some other aspect of the law, but I feel like one, at least one of the 20 emergency changes being brought in right now will stick around and develop in totally unexpected ways over the coming decades into something weird and not at all what it was contemplated at the time. Yeah. I mean, we all thought cane toads was going to go so well, didn't we? I mean, we had these beetle problems. I love them. I love them. Hey, bring them in. Are we, is this podcast anti-cane toads? Because I'm in the wrong wrong place. God damn it, Cal. Lovable, lovable, poisonous scamps killing our native wildlife. You know, we had too much native wildlife. We had too much of it. We We had had too too much much of it. You're right, Cal. You're right. Did we ever? Did anyone ever seriously consider the Simpsons approach of was it bringing in gorillas? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no one did. And I think that's a shame. Snakes, snakes to kill the toads, and then gorillas to kill the snakes. That does make a lot of sense, Cal. You know, you're just a real common sense thinker, um, and we're just lucky to have you around. Um, Yeah, that's right. In these times, I'm like the. Zizek, the <laughs> coronavirus era. <laughs> exactly, like really obscure joke, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, good. Um, mate, tell me about some things you've been watching, reading, or doing, which has been helping to keep your existential dread in check. Like, have you mm. got any recommendations for the humans out there? Yeah, I certainly. I've been, um, I've been trying to not watch Tiger King. Oh, um, so far succeeding. Um, maybe that's like a you know little personal uh, rebellious rebellious streak. But I so far have avoided watching that, and uh, I've actually avoided watching very much of anything. Um, that's impressive. Partly, 
partly because uh, internet streaming has just been so congested. <laughs> Every, everyone watching everything. Uh, partly because my main consumption of television prior to this happening was live sport. And mm. <laughs> there is uh, not a lot of that going None. on right now. Uh, I, I honestly have been so binging on all of those YouTube videos of like professional sports commentators commentating their dog <laughs> in quarantine or commentating just something really inane happening that has been wildly enjoyable to me i um, um i watched the one with the, the dog you, yeah. uh, the two dogs going to get food out of the bowl and the commentary there was just spectacular uh that guy uh, whoever that guy is is the best have you seen the one with the two dogs and there's like a bone and one dog is trying to keep the bone from the other one? No. That one, that one is absolutely fantastic. It's in like a very slow British, um, almost dog show or equestrian commentary style. <laughs> oh, yes. It's perfect. And she's making a late play for it. She'll come in now. <laughs> it's, it's got like a snooker, snooker commentary vibe to it. And perhaps a few signs of overconfidence from her rival. A bit of showboating. Needs to be careful. And there's the change from the classic hold. Still placed on the outside, though. Great technique. And a glance at the youngster who shows little emotion, but her mind will be empty. 20 seconds to go now. Olive closing in on victory and that coveted prize of being told she's a very good dog. One paw to control and a switch. Now Mabel sensing this might be a chance. Still waiting. Still believing. And you wonder what Olive is doing here. Only has to hold on. Going to the upright though. High tariff with no opposable thumbs. High risk at this stage. And it's gone and Mabel takes it. No mercy from the younger dog who takes this victory just as time runs out, a famous win built on patience and sheer belief. For Olive, only thoughts of what might have been, but only herself to blame. She's given this one away, and that will hurt most of all. I love Can that. I recommend dog. highly enough that kind of content. Yeah, ASMR, I, yeah. Yeah, I've still been working, though, um, mm -hmm. and uh, actually been quite busy. So I've been staring at a screen long you know, long time, long day, mm. um, getting my getting my fix of looking at a screen. So I've been trying to not watch too much and stay away from my uh, the worst of my social medias and have been reading. Oh, Cal, um, what are you reading? Reading and gardening. I'm reading uh, the sequel to Wolf Hall, uh, Bring oh. Up the Bodies by Hilary Mantle, which is very good, and the new one in that trilogy, The Mirror and the Light, I think is released this year. Yeah, right, because that was a huge hit, Wolf Hall. Everyone went nuts huge for it. Hit. It's fantastic. Very good. Very good. Can't recommend it enough if you haven't read it. Is it War of the Roses, Cal? It is Henry VIII. Henry VIII. It is just, yeah, the uh, the and particularly his advisor, Thomas Cromwell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Through, the, through the Henry VIII year, and it very, very brings a whole different world to life. Uh, you know, a few plague references, I guess, oh, keeping it topical. Keeping topical, it topical, on point, I love yeah. that, I love that. Some very interesting articles, actually. I don't know if you've been reading, like, the whole, uh, there's, a, there's definitely a genre emerging of comparisons to the Black Plague uh, literature. Yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything about plagues until two months ago, and now I know everything. 
armchair plague fanatic. Yeah, 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 it's you and Anthony Fauci. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've taken a crash course. I think the world has taken one of those online courses in epidemiology. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We pretty much have. <laughs> I've, got my, I've got my online degree from, uh, yeah, from Facebook. I've got my from Yale, so eat shit. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, that's, mu- that's much better. Yeah. Thank you. It's not that's really Yale. Better. It's just, it's Facebook, but I just got a Yale Be- shirt and pretend. <laughs> good, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you spell Yale with one Y, Pat. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled <laughs> like with just for future, yeah, future reference. It's spelled with a J. It's, it's Jail. not Yay. It's not Yay dash L. Like like Jay Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 what my shirt says. It's good. It's powerful. different university. It's yeah, different university. Different university. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, you were saying? Uh, I was saying that um, I didn't know how long the Black Plague went for. I kind of, in my mind, there was a big plague and a third of the world died and maybe it was like 10 years and it was horrific and like there would be a date you could be like oh yeah you know the black plague that happened from 1381 to 1390 whatever that's my imagination of it but it was like many little plagues over hundreds of years get out of here um yeah so there was like the famous one that hit england that i guess everyone knows about in school but there was an extensive period of history like apparently many you know decades hundreds of years where they'd just be like oh plague has popped up in that town let's not go to that town and they would close all the borders to that town and stop all the doctors from leaving because all the doctors would try to get the hell out of like any town that had the plague as soon as possible and they would shut that down and make sure that they all stayed there and, and until it went away and people would um yeah people would just massively avoid different countries or different pockets of the world for a really, really long part of history, which is not how I understood the plague to be. And no, kind neither. of unsettled, unsettled me for how the progress of this would go if it became endemic into any parts of the world. Oh, Cal, I hate that. I hate that thought. Yeah. That's a bad thought. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. brought that thread up. Let's, let's brought that thread up, yeah. So, you know, on the upside, though, <laughs> it led to those cool plague doctor mask things yes. with the the beak and the hat. Yeah, the beak and so, the hat is good. It's powerful. Yeah, some wild hats and masks about to happen in terms of a historical fashion perspective. Well, I'm excited get, for that, Cal. I'm coming up for it. Um, so were you reading that in, is that out of the Wolf Hall sequel or is that a totally different piece of literature? <laughs> no, no, that, that was just a totally different, that was just, I was just reading online. This is my perambulations on the internet in the, uh, in the time of COVID. So you've kind of been leaning into the plague, Cal. You've been kind of seeing the, 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 the scariness of the plague and think I've got to learn more about it. I've got to get on the inside of it. I've got to learn more it. about it. I think that's that's fair to say. I think that everybody, but me in particular, uh, finds comfort in knowing more about something. Uh, mm. It's just the way that I, the way that I've always operated. I like to know stuff. I like to learn stuff. I like to read stuff. So that's why we, it's been very hard to not read stuff in this in this time. We call you Big Cali Reedy. Uh, it's a long nickname, but it's a good nickname. Yep. That's Reader. that's it. Read em Cal, read em all, read <laughs> It's kind of weird as a nickname because there's so many more syllables than Cal. Yes. But I, I did the job. Did Unnecessary, the job. some might say. And that'd be right. Um, they, if you're right. Any other recommendations for Forest Pal outside of the New Wolf Hall book, reading a bit about the Black Plague, finding out some more about that? Anything else been rocking your world? 
Yeah, gardening. Gardening's been rocking my world. Get out of here. I've been very, uh, I've been very getting very into the garden. Not watching my TV, not watching my like my social media and not watching a screen at all and uh, getting into the garden has been extremely pleasant. Fantastic, um, mate. What's going on up there? Uh, we've been fortunate enough. I had uh, three uh, cubic meters of gravel and three cubic meters of soil uh, delivered out to our place just before all of this happened. And no I've way. been spreading it, spreading it around, uh, shoveling wheelbarrow loads of gravel, uh, shoveling wheelbarrow loads of soil, uh, just generally shoveling. And. Uh, <laughs> And hammering wood together to make like the bits that go on the edge of the garden, like the I garden know. edging bits. Yeah, hammering wood, very satisfying activity at this time. Even if you do not have a garden, can recommend going to Bunnings, buying two planks of wood and uh, hammering it together with nails. Oh, that's a great idea, Cal. Just take it home and just, just mark them up uh, and then just hammer a few nails up. in there. That's a great Measure plan. Measure them. You can saw one of them if you want Ooh, to saw it like, that's a good into plan. shape. Yeah, and uh, very satisfying. We, we had a housemate move out of my place here in Sydney and uh, she took a lot of furniture with her and uh, we got a whole bunch of a lovely, lovely friend of mine, um, Camilla, shout outs to Cam, thank you for all of that. And uh, Thanks, I did, Cam. We've done a bit of restoration around here, Cal. I've done a bit of sanding, sanded back a few tables, I've varnished them. Um, yes. I fucked that up the varnishing. But you listen, fucked up the varnishing. I did, but then yeah. I sanded it again and then I and then I revarnished. And let me tell you, I walk into the living room every day and I look at it and I go, that's a bloody beautiful table. That is a stunning <laughs> table. What a thing. And sometimes I just walk past and I just feel the surface of it. I'm just like, oh yeah. That's that is truly magnificent. I I feel like I would like to do that. Except all my furniture is from IKEA, and if you sand back uh, IKEA furniture, you just get <laughs> the plastic layer shaved off and the chipboard revealed underneath. I believe if you sand back IKEA, it starts the timer, and then you've only got fifty five seconds, or you've got to keep your whole um, house above sixty kilometers an hour, or the whole thing explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's what happens. So don't don't do that. Don't do it right now. Yeah. That's impossible. Possible, folks. You can't do that yeah. in the time of COVID. Get okay. it out of here. I, I was sanding some plaster on the wall. I tripped over and it went on the IKEA furniture. Oh, I was no. like, oh, no, not again. Oh, I'm going to get Bruce Willis. Do I have to get Bruce Willis? No, it's young Keanu Reeves, I think. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? I'm going to get Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That's, that's who I need. Yeah, yeah, I mean, don't we all? Like, don't we all? I am concerned about the level of fatalities that would occur uh, in, in my neighbourhood. We're going to be the real bastards of this whole thing, Cal. It's going to be you and that's I. Right. When people look back on this and they read it in the history books, they'll say it was Cullen and Sampson, the bastards. Has anyone calculated up the number of deaths in John Wick 3? There is a serious body count in that. Death count. There's a body count in that movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, Keanu Reeves took, took a few lives, one or two lives in, uh, in that film. Yeah, I believe so. So, yeah, else but did I, too? could the, be no one better. The crevices no one better in, to stop my bus. Yeah, well, that's exactly Sorry. right. That's right. The crevices in Ian McShane's face also uh, were responsible for a number <laughs> of deaths uh, because people <laughs> fell in them. Uh, being the deep canyons <laughs> that they are. They're forever. They're just they're they're like, stuck. they're stuck at the bottom. 
now. Yeah. And they've just formed a new society down there. No one knows if they're dead. Uh, you can't, there's no radio waves can't penetrate, can't penetrate into it, no. the canyons of his face. And so there's probably, they're probably still alive down there, just feeding off the dead skin and bits of leftover chicken that make it down into the crevices. Undoubtedly, of the undoubtedly. In a way, it's a, it's a fully rounded diet. Um, friend of mine has recently been watching Deadwood <laughs> from start. In a way. In a, way. Yeah. In a manner of speaking. Not in the traditional the, sense. In the exact same way that Doritos contain my daily dose of five vegetables and two fruit that I need. It's correct. It's correct. Yeah. That's what you need to survive. Yeah. Um, my name has just redone the entire of Deadwood. He went from season one to three and then watched the movie and had a, a wonderful time doing it. Um, yeah. So listen, I, I, I think that your perspective, Cal, of trying to get outdoors as much as possible and is trying to spend as much time away from your screen as you can is, is a good one. I think if you do have to sit down and watch a show, why not watch some really great early 2000s HBO? That's my that's Oh, my yeah, thought. I agree. Go back and watch The Wire again. Go I back and watch I had The time, Wire. That's what I would do. Go back and watch The Wire again. Watch mm. Deadwood. Watch um. Uh, did you watch uh, that great Netflix show Babylon Berlin? I started it, but I couldn't get into it. What was oh it? man, that gets me right in the right in the gut feels. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah I reckon uh, that's a very, very good piece of television in a, a kind of era of uh, Germany that doesn't get a great rap. You know, everyone focuses on Germany. Uh, you know, in the whole Hitler thing, yeah. which, you know, it was a big thing. It, it was, was a big, big thing. It was a big time. It was a big but time. it's like if, it, it would be like if every single movie, you know, about America focused on the period from World War One to World War Two, and mm. just left out all of that other cool stuff that was going on. Yeah. You know, the yeah, yeah. gangster and prohibition era and all of the other, you know, interesting cultural tidbits of life. So I think it's a very good, it's a remarkably good German-based television show from the early part of the well, like set in the early part of the 20th century that doesn't really deal at all with Nazis, and it's greatly refreshing for that that reason alone. Cal, I love that, mate. I love that. They are some awesome recommendations, mate. Thank you so much for your time, pal. Did you have any? Did you have any last things you wanted to throw out before I send you off into the ether to enjoy a nice glass of red and a sit down? No, this has been magnificent. Can I can I plug a nice glass of Plantagenet Red? Can I plug that on you? Please, on your Cal, plug away. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy a nice glass of red, you know, I I would suggest that enjoying a nice glass of Plantagenet Red, which is currently heavily discounted with free shipping around Australia. Get out of here! It's a great way to do it. So, mate, I'm uh, always it's been about. It's a pleasure, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. You too. My Cal. spirits are high in this time. I hope your spirits are high too. My spirits are high from talking to you pal from hearing the dulcet tones of your voice and your silly jokes they are things Thank I enjoy a lot and things uh, are good despite things being bad that's <laughs> how, how I would put it say hi to Ash for me too pal I hope you guys are going I really well done will. Uh, we're doing fantastically thank you kindly good man lovely to chat to you mate I'll see you soon see you bro see you mate bye Huge thanks to Cal Sampson for being with us. Absolutely fantastic to hear from him and some really interesting thoughts there about the privacy situation, the app situation, and of course the speed situation, which is not a film I've thought about in a while, but could be worth a rewatch given everything that's going on. Young Keanu Reeves, 
What a dream boat. All right, let's do some credits. Music, our intro was, of course, Celine Dion, All By Myself, Falling Into You, 1996. Can I just give credit to Polly Fisher for throwing that one my way? Um, what a brilliant suggestion. I can't think, I can't believe I hadn't thought of that before. Uh, very funny. That's from Sony BMG, 1996. We also had music from Muriel's Wedding, the musical. That's the original cast recording, 2017 Global Creatures, under a license to Sony Music. Uh, the Game of Bones, which was the, the dog commentary. That's from Mr. Andrew Cotter. You can find him on YouTube. And of course, the trailer for Speed, 1994 20th Century Studios. Our background music is Kevin McLeod with local forecast of Groovy 2016. All of that is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license, OL1099. What do you think about this government tracking app? Are you going to be installing it? Should I install it? What? Let, let, hit me up. Let me know uh, on Twitter at the ISO underscore cast or on Facebook at the ISO cast, all one word. You can also send me an email if you've got any questions you'd like me to answer or, or things you'd like us to think about on the show. Uh, sh simply send us an email at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday, and from the following week, from next week, I'll be stepping back to one episode per week. But I'll let you know more about that when it happens. Back on Thursday, thank you so much for being a part of the show, folks. Thank you for listening to it. If you could take a moment to take it out of your pocket, hit that five-star button, or, or recommend it to a friend, say to somebody you think it's great, that would do me so many favours. I would really appreciate that. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, wash your hands, don't touch your face!